All right, friends, we are going to hear the Exodus 20 verses 1 through 21 passage again. Uh, by this point, you might have parts of it memorized, and that is not to be ashamed of, but you'll pay attention to the middle where we're moving our way through these commandments, and we're, we're getting toward uh, some new, new stuff about moving away from who God is and into who we're called to be because of that. So hear these words from Exodus. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am jealous God punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the fourth, the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses God's name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the resident alien in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And when all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us instead and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come only to test you and to put the fear of God upon you so that you do not sin. And the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. All right, and our New Testament text from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We read there, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying through the scriptures. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Now, we're actually going to talk about this this week. Like, yeah. we actually talk about the scripture text. So if we're not pulling the wool out, like pulling the... Um, There's no jokes this week. No jokes. We're actually going to talk about it, though this isn't one that I think either one of us wants to talk about that much. I'm, I know you. neither one of us is thrilled about talking about this. And I want to own um, 
right off the top, I want to own why I don't love this commandment in particular. Um, first of all, I have uh, had um, problematic relationship with at least one of my own parents um, and some trauma from my childhood. Uh, and I, so talking about honoring father and mother and parents, and, and I know that's true for a lot of us. Some of us don't have parental experiences really and don't know our parents. And so being told to honor is just painful. And I think the other thing that I, I wanna say right off the top and the other reason why I struggled with talking about it is that this particular commandment has been weaponized to some degree. And I remember this growing up. I remember being told, honor your mother and father, honor your father, mother, honor your parents. You have to honor your parents. And I was like, but what if they're not being honorable? <laughs> what if they're not? I mean, it was really frustrating to be, be told this over and over again. This is why I always had Ephesians 6 holstered for when somebody told me that because I would be like, yeah, the Bible does say honor your father and your mother. You know what else it says? Parents don't exasperate your children. It's they're like in tandem there in Ephesians 6. And the way I look at it is if you're exasperating me, I'm not going to be interested in honoring you. Yeah. Right? But if you are doing as you're instructed in verse four there, bringing up and training and being honorable, absolutely, I'm, I'm gonna be much more likely to honor my father and mother. But even in thinking about the whole parent, parent dynamic, Jules, you were saying this morning that this may not be all about parents at all, that there's something bigger, there's something more to this particular commandment. I do, I do wonder if this isn't only about parents, moms and dads, as it's listed in here. Um, I'm curious about the fact that this text, while in many other places it just lists fathers, does list both genders of parent and both power um, and authority structures as parents, which were very different in that culture, right? So patriarchal society, um, strongly so. And so the fact that mothers are even included here is fascinating to me. And it makes me wonder about whether this is really a question of, of, of generations hmm. and really a question of how do you imagine relating to elders in your life? Um, especially since the culture that this is coming out of is so intensely focused on transmitting memory from one generation to the next, because if, if you can't remember the law, you can't remember, you can't follow God. If you aren't receiving the stories from people who came before you, um, you know, people who also were not present at the liberation from Egypt, but who heard those stories from the people who were right. And right. so if you're not, if you're not in close relationship with your elders, you lose your story of liberation, you lose your story of yourself. And so I, I just wonder if it's more about how do you honor the elders in your life and think about them, which is something, frankly, that our culture's terrible at. Yeah. Yeah. 
awful at it. No, and and I think um, I like that next level, that next layer of thinking about this particular uh, matter or commandment, as as it were. Um, I think that that's because I think it is applicable today. Um, that we have our modern culture, um, our modern society has lost that sense of. Uh, honoring previous generations, and I mean that's the 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 uh, the joke that the kids say that this okay boomer right like that we we do that I I hear people doing that all over the place and and that saying shows a lack of of honor and respect for the wisdom of elders for sure, but there's also something to the idea that. Perhaps our elders exasperate sure. our generation as well. There's something about honoring bo both uh, generations, um, honoring one another, right? A little more in the spirit of the Ephesians, uh, Ephesians six way of putting this that there is there's a, a both and. It's a, it's. I think that it only works if it's mutual, right? If there is a, a receptivity and also a generosity, so that there's giving on both levels. There's a, you know, there's a caring for people who are who have lived a full life and who have given to their community for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, right? And honoring that time, that effort, that care, that work, um, and allowing people, this relates to the Sabbath for me, allowing people rest when they have lived fully and in the season where rest is needed. Right. And then there's also this like relationship for me to, um, idolatry that we, we can't, um, we can't just idolize the good old days. We have to look forward as well and think about what the future needs and what um, other generations that are coming after us are going to need. And so there's this back and forth. And I think it ties into multiple other commandments in some ways. And I know it ties into the idolatry commandment because it's the other commandment where parents are mentioned, right? And yeah. like generations. Yeah. So there's this relationship between how you imagine God to work in the world and how your family relationships are structured actually impact one another and have some, it's not totally clear to me what the impact is. Cause I don't know what God means when we talk about punishing for the iniquity. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty old fashioned language. And I don't know that it always fits what we're talking about, but there's something about when you're not in good relationship, there is an impact and that matters to the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's particularly in, when I think about honoring, uh, honoring elders, I think about how we, um, we have become so isolated and in uh, about individualism, rugged individualism yes. and um, independence. Um, and if I'm being frank, self-centeredness. Yeah. And that, and can I add something? And a sense that you did this by yourself right. without standing on the shoulders of people who allowed you to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Made it possible. Yes. And that combined with uh, this um, ever present and um, 
overwhelming desire for convenience and to not be put out has led us to do things like put our elders away where we can't see them, have our elders put in care facilities and not have them. I mean, traditionally, and we know this, the time that, um, that these commandments were written, elders stayed in the home. Elders were a part of the family and stayed with the family. And there are still cultures that embrace that. And I think that, that at least uh, in, in the U.S., in the Western world, that's, that's slipping away. We don't have that as much. And I know there's all kinds of complex reasons for that. But to name the fact that that's not as present anymore. Yeah. Which leads us to not seek the wisdom of people who have lived um, through a lot and, and have seen all the things. Yeah. There's, uh, a, there's a statistic that white people in the U.S. in particular um, most white people can't name three generations back in their family. Mm-hmm. So it's not even just the stories that are lost and the things that we then know about ourselves because of who our people have been. But for some of us, it's that their names are lost to us. And so it, it's sort of always about us. Yeah. You know, and I think that there's, there's something to be said for people who believe that only their story matters. Like me, 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 only I'm the one that matters there's a name for us and we're called colonizers. Mm. We forget everything that's come before us. And the only thing that matters is what we're doing. That's a very abusive way to be in the world. And it's, I think probably one of the best arguments for why this commandment exists. That'll preach my friend. That's real. That, That is that. Wow. That's real. So we have questions we're going to get to, but I'm going to put it out there right now and ask you, how do we make the shift? Yeah. What do, what's the call on us, especially as people of, of Jesus, as those who, who seek to embody um, God, what, where can we latch onto um, something, something and, and to change this? Well, I think it comes down to, at least two things, and there's definitely more, but one is this recognition that every single one of us without exception is a child of someone, right? Like we have relationships generationally, and this is an undeniable universality that we are all children somehow. And so to figure out who are the people who we need to honor, um, And who will we be those people for? Because, you know, I do not have children and will not have children. Uh, And I desire and have built my life so that I have influence on people who are younger than me or that I'm a resource for them because I find that connection between generations so important and so life-giving. We all have those opportunities. So how do we not only listen, but also share. And then the, the second piece for me is around that word honor and like what that really means. You and I've talked about that the definition is around like weightiness or significance, giving significance to people. And so once we have found people who are in 
different places than we are experienced or age-wise, how do we then like make sure that their significance in the world is fully valued and not dismissed, not put away, as you said before, uh, whether that's children below us (laughs) or elders above us. Um, so that the line of succession, the line of sharing, the line of storytelling isn't broken. Yeah. You, You know what this reminds me of? Uh, it reminds me of the, the birth of our church. Hmm. Uh, so when we were still um, St. John's Community Church, this little church plant, we had uh, all of these young families, couples with young children as a part of our church. And we prayed for, we prayed for grandmas and grandpas. We prayed for elders to be a part of our church community because we knew they had wisdom that that we needed and we we wanted to have those grandparent influences be a part of our kids lives in the church to be able to impart wisdom and to care for them in in ways that are unique to um to older generations and I remember you relaying that you were pastoring this church that was a lot of elders, older folks who were praying for young people to be able to impart that wisdom, but to also uh, glean energy and life um, from from them. And so I, I just remember when the two came together, how we just, we laughed and cried at the same time because we were the answer to one another's prayers. I think that there's something to the way that can work in the church. I guess. There's, there's no denial, I think, of the, that the body of Christ functions more fully when, when there's diversity in these ways. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that everybody talks about multi-generational church, right? Like, as boring as that can be when we talk about like what the church is supposed to be and where we're failing at, like that is a, a measurement of life and a measurement of liveliness. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when Chris and I, this reminds me of something. Um, I grew up in a place where generations of people interacted all the time. And where in my own family, um, generally there was uh, a lot of, um, extended family interaction until, until I was in high school and family stuff, other things happened. But I grew up caring for younger people and being cared for by older people. And, uh, and my life has always included friends who are older than me and friends who are younger than me. I like, I like that in the world. When we moved to Portland, Oregon in 2014, I remember looking around the city and thinking, almost everyone's my age this is really weird. Now, of course there's diversity there and that's not true, but I think at that point it was 44% of the city of Portland was between the ages of 25 and 40, which is a crazy statistic. Like that exists almost nowhere else, I think. And it, it made life here not quite as rich, um, which was weird and interesting to kind of see it as a, as the place where I was living. So I don't know if that, what that informs other than that you can feel the difference. Well, and also you probably, I would imagine really made you appreciate the people in your church. Absolutely. I mean, when I would walk into my spiritual community and have the access to people who could talk about 
you know, the history of the city or um, their, you know, grandchildren and what was happening to that, that just, it, there's a richness that's there. That's so helpful to all of us, right? To absolutely all of us. My favorite picture of our church ever is the one with um, Dottie Swenson. I think she's holding Elliot um, when he was just a baby with James in the picture. And it's just like a, a perfect example of the ways in which the many generations in our church were interacting and caring for one another. And the joy that he, the baby was giving her and the comfort that she was giving him. And it was just so amazing. And I think that that's a, it's a beautiful witness to what the, the world is supposed to do. Yeah. And why I think this commandment actually now that we've talked about it, because I started out with this commandment doesn't count because parents are hard. And also because, uh, you know, dismissively saying that, um, also because how dare we put honor your parents next to do not murder. Right. Like that's seriously out of proportion, God. We need to have a conversation about this. But now that we've talked about it and explored it, I'm beginning to see that there's sort of a there's an underlying stability to it that it offers the rest of the commandments. Does that make sense? No, totally. And it also is, it, it um, even says, why should you honor your mother and father? Why should you honor elders and parents and parental figures so that your days will be long? So your days will be rich in the land so that you will have good life. So in addition to a commandment that says, don't take life, there's a commandment just before that says, give life. And yeah. this, the way that you can give life is by honoring, uh, honoring one another, right? Um, so I, 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 I see the juxtaposition does seem weird, but in some ways, it sort of makes sense. This is how you give life. This is how um, life can be lived, like maybe even abundant life, if we want to use the words of Jesus. And then remember too, these don'ts, because this is obviously life-taking, <laughs> not life-giving. Yeah. The ones we're about to walk into, I know we'll have lots of um, expansive thoughts on them beyond just don't do this, the thou shalt not. And the first five of these feel very complicated. Mm -hmm. uh, and in a way, this parents one is, is in, it, it's the most complicated because it's so hard to get underneath what the intention really is, like the, the motivation behind it. So I'm curious about how we'll do that with some of the other ones. I'm, I'm struggling to figure out how we will talk about stealing without just saying like, listen, it's all listed. Don't. Just don't. Just don't. Just don't. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm grateful that this kind of exploded my notion of this commandment because I have, e even the commentaries that you read about it, everybody skips from Sabbath straight to murder. Nobody wants to talk about honoring your parents. They just give it like one line and then move along. Um, and so it's almost like no one knows what to do with it. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. But I think our people will know what to do with it. I hope so. We gave it a shot. We gave it a shot. Well, we have some questions. You want to move to those? The first one is around following this commandment. And 
we talked about our relationship to elders and thinking about uh, moms and dads in particular and whatever configuration of parents that you have and whatever configuration of family you find yourself in. So the question really is about who do you need to honor differently in order to follow this commandment faithfully? It'll look different for everyone perhaps, but who do you need to think differently about honoring in order to follow this commandment faithfully? And then the second question is, why does this one belong on the list of 10? Does it? Does it still matter? How would you rephrase it? Uh, we, we've really talked about some ways that we might think about it, but I'm curious and Andy's curious about what you would do with it. So why does this one belong or doesn't? And what, did, what does still matter about it? Those are your questions. We'll put them out for you. You can join in uh, questions of the people at around 10.30 a.m. on Sunday and wrestle with this a little bit. All right, we're going to pray. Andy, you want to lead us in that? Yeah, I'll pray. Loving God, who is parent figure to us as we read in scripture, we thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation, to talk about and to think about generations and wisdom and, and the story of, of, of who we are and who we're meant to be. And we give you thanks for those who have conveyed that to us, who have shown that to us, told us the old, old story. And we pray, oh God, that you would Help us to be aware of ways that we can honor one another, that we can honor generations that came before us, older generations now, and younger generations. Continue to help us to grow in that, and to grow in our love for you and our love for one another, and to recognize that that is ultimately why we were created pray all of this in Jesus' name and all the holy names of God. Amen. Now we'll sing the benediction and uh, you can sing along at home if you like. We know some of you like to do that. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious gracious, gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance upon you and give you, give you, give you peace. Continue to Stay home, to take care, to be safe, to be at peace and love and serve the Lord and one another. Miss Amen. You. Miss y'all. Love you. <laughs>